Welcome to Full Scope, a weekly medical podcast designed to teach, inspire, and encourage listeners to question everything they know. I'm your host, Bill Brandenburg. Welcome back to the fourth installment of this podcast series on disease and infection prevention. I hope that you found a lot of benefit in the first three installments. And let's get right into the additional Group B recommendations from the United States Preventative Task Force in adult patients. The first recommendation is regarding abdominal aortic aneurysm screening, and it's recommended that men between the ages of 65 and 75 who have ever smoked, meaning even one cigarette, I've heard 100 cigarettes, but I'd say anyone who's ever smoked tobacco should receive this one-time screening. The next set of Group B recommendations are regarding women's health and breast cancer. The first one is regarding breast cancer screening using mammograms. It's recommended that uh, women between the ages of 50 and 74 years old receive biannual, so every other year, mammograms to screen for breast cancer. There are some other organizations that recommend starting screening at age 40. I've seen recommendations regarding screening every year. I think I agree with the Preventive Task Service on this one. I think the uh, increased risk of radiation every year and the increased cost is just is just too much. And I think every other year between 50 and 74 is good. Most of the benefit in that screening is in women between ages 60 and 69. So those are the women that really, really benefit from these screenings. The next recommendation regarding breast cancer is something that I really wasn't familiar with and feel like is probably newer, and that is that women at high risk of breast cancer should be considered for breast cancer lowering or breast cancer risk lowering medications. Uh, The risk factors include increasing age, family members with breast cancer, genetic mutations like BRCA1 and BRCA2, as well as a history of radiation to The medications recommended include selective estrogen receptor modulators like tamoxifen and riloxifen. Tamoxifen is a really common one you see in estrogen receptor positive breast cancers. Uh, Aromatase inhibitors, which inhibit the conversion of androgens to estrogens, is also another potential option. The SERMs have an added benefit of increasing bone density, which is particularly healthy in older women. All of these medications do have side effects, including blood clots. So always need to kind of weigh the risks and benefits like we've done with all these studies. Please note that one in eight women will develop breast cancer at some point in their lifetime. Breast cancer is the second leading cause of death in women in the United States, sorry, cancer-related death in women in the United States, affecting, killing almost 42,000 people, at least in 2019 American Cancer Society's publication, which represents 15% of cancer deaths. So a really serious issue, and we're seeing some new recommendations regarding breast cancer and breast cancer prevention, which is good, of course. The next Group B recommendation regarding women's health is something that I forget all the time, and then after the appointment, I'm like, oh, man, that would have been so good to do, and that is to screen women of reproductive age for violence from their partner. I think it's something we're forgetting, and especially right now with people having to stay home with the pandemic and whatnot, really good time to screen and say, hey, 
Do you feel safe at home? There's people that can help if not. I notice a lot of physicians and, and healthcare providers get really stressed about asking these intimate questions about partner violence and abuse and even other things like drugs and sex, a lot of things we've mentioned in this podcast. And all I can say is, at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure there's great ways to do this, but don't overthink it. The best thing you can do is ask in a caring, compassionate way, and people will respond. And, and you'll help some people, and some people will be so happy you ask. I think there's a lot of people who are just waiting to be asked, do you feel safe in their home? And they feel like nobody cares, and they're all alone. So just don't overthink it. Just ask this stuff. You could really help somebody's life. Okay, moving on to Group B recommendations regarding obesity, cholesterol, and heart disease. The first one is that anyone with a BMI, that is body mass index, greater than 30, which is our cutoff for obesity, remember greater than 40 is our cutoff for morbid obesity, should be referred to programs for aggressive behavioral intervention. These include things like dietary counseling, exercise programs, and other healthy lifestyle interventions. This is so important. We're getting really, really heavy, and we've got to try and turn this around. The next recommendation regards cholesterol. Providers are given a Group B recommendation to start cholesterol-lowering medications in adults between the ages of 40 and 75 years old with a greater than 10% chance of heart attack or stroke in the next 10 years. Risk factors for this include high cholesterol, diabetes, tobacco, high blood pressure, and really you, you should be using a calculator to... to um, figure out this risk. And a common one is the atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk calculator or commonly ASCVD risk factor. The next recommendation is actually regarding colon cancer. It is a group B, but is that it's that adults age 50 to 59 with a greater than 10% ASCVD risk score should take an 81 milligram baby aspirin daily to prevent both heart disease and colon cancer. And there's a grade C recommendation, which is kind of the unsure um, for adults age 60 to 69. There is insufficient evidence to rep recommend a baby aspirin for this pro purpose in adults less than 50 years old and adults greater than 70 years old. The next Group B recommendation is regarding diabetes screening, and it is to check for abnormal blood glucose in adults age 40 to 70 years old who are overweight and obese. It's kind of murky on how often this should be tested. I think a lot of us are doing it annually. You could probably make a point that we could spread it out to more. I've seen some people that do it even like every five years. Um, and honestly, as people get older, I tend to screen anyway for diabetes. Uh, it, it just seems like you tend to pick it up even in people that aren't obese. So I think that's, just, if anything, underrepresenting how much we should be screening for diabetes. And I think that that'll be borne out as uh, more studies come, come in the fray with increasing diabetes in our overall population. The next set of Group B recommendations is regarding osteoporosis. The first recommendation is that all women greater than 65 years old should have their bone density checked. The next recommendation is that men and women younger than 65 with risk factors should have their bone density checked. Risk factors for weak bones include alcohol and tobacco use, history of bone fractures, increasing age, having a family member who has broke a hip, 
and taking certain medications such as steroids that can reduce bone strength. Really important stuff. I see a lot of hip fractures in my hospital work, and man, those things are devastating. It's estimated that between 20 to 30 percent of elderly people who fall and break their hips will end up dying in the next two to three months, and that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty profound statistic. The next Group B recommendation is regarding skin cancer, and it is that you should talk with individuals aged six months to 24 years with fair skin about avoiding exposure to ultraviolet light. Uh, that includes wearing sunscreen, protective clothing, staying out of the heat during peak times of the day. This is really important. I end up counseling a lot more people than just fair-skinned and definitely outside of those age ranges, but certainly important in those groups. Lung cancer screening with a low-dose CT also receives a Group B recommendation. In particular, individuals between 55 and 80 years old who have more than 30 pack years in their life, and remember a pack year is one pack per day per year, who have been smoking in the last 15 years should receive an annual low-dose CT scan. It recommends that you stop screening after the person has quit for more than 15 years and after the age of 80. You know, lung cancer is extremely common. In fact, it is the second most common cause of cancer in the United States and the most common cause of death. In 2019, almost 150,000 people died from cancer and it from lung cancer and it represented almost 50% of cancer-related deaths. So obviously cancer is a big problem. Why does this recommendation only get a group B recommendation? I think the reason is is that the low-dose CT scans are not that great at distinguishing if a mass or a lesion is actually cancer or not. They're, it's really common to find these little masses and lesions, and then people end up kind of going through the ringer sometimes where they're getting more CTs. They're getting biopsies of their lungs, which is never great when you're getting needles in your lungs. They're getting surgeries, and it just kind of becomes a little bit more murky of, of these increasing risks and what are exactly are the benefits. And so that's why this gets a grade B recommendation in spite of the importance of lung cancer in our populations. Okay, the final Group B recommendations are regarding alcohol use and depression. It is simply to screen all your adults for alcohol, unhealthy alcohol use and to screen all your adults for depression. I typically use like a PHQ-2 and follow that up with a PHQ-9 for screening depression in adults. For alcohol, I just tend to talk to my patients. There are a lot of screenings like the CAGE questionnaire, but I just don't find those as helpful, but if you're less familiar with alcohol abuse and use, I think I would also think about using one of those questionnaires. Okay, moving on to Group C recommendations. There's only one, and it is regarding prostate cancer. Remember, Group C is, uh, there's it's hard to say if the risks outweigh the benefits, and so it's not really strongly recommended for or against. The recommendation is that men between age 55 and 69 years old receive annual screening with a prostate-stimulating antigen laboratory test. Um, this has been very controversial in the past few years. The recommendation is now for, quote, shared decision-making. You're supposed to have a conversation 
about whether or not you think this will be helpful and harmful, the risks and benefits, and then come to a decision with your patient. As someone who has worked in insurance-based primary care in the past, that is uh, a tall order to just kind of sit there and have a conversation with somebody in that age group. That People that age group always have a bunch of stuff going on. you got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, but if you can and you have time, I think bringing up prostate cancer is good and important. And for some people, you know, that have a strong family history or that have relatives that have died at a young age, um, should probably be considered for this. But remember, things like erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence are bad. And since the majority of patients with prostate cancer will die with their cancer and not of it, it's really kind of a murky area. Okay, let's move on to the Group D recommendations. Remember, the D stands for don't. Don't screen for it. It's been studied, and it has not been shown to be beneficial. Now, all this stuff, like I've said so many times, can change. We may get a new test, the disease may change in the population, or a better study may be done that shows that this stuff is helpful. So take this stuff with a, this is 2020, and this is for right now, but in the future it may change. I'm just going to go through them fairly quickly because there's quite a few. We've tried to do a lot of things in adults that haven't worked. Do not screen for pancreatic cancer in adults without symptoms. Do not screen for prostate cancer with a, PS, with a PSA in men older than se, age 70. Do not screen for ovarian cancer in asymptomatic women. Do not screen for thyroid cancer in asymptomatic adults. Do not screen for testicular cancer in adolescent and adult men. Do not screen for asymptomatic adults for heart disease using an electrocardiogram. Do not prescribe vitamin D less than 400 international units and calcium less than 1,000 milligrams for community-dwelling postmenopausal women for the primary prevention of fractures. It is unclear if doses higher than 4,000 international units of vitamin D and higher than 1,000 milligrams of calcium could be helpful in this population, but please don't forget about things like kidney stones with regard to calcium. Okay, moving on. Do not provide or prescribe vitamin D supplements to prevent falls. Do not use estrogen or combined hormone therapy to prevent chronic medical problems like osteoporosis and post in postmenopausal women. You know, however, we do often use these medications at low doses to help with menopausal symptoms, just not to prevent diseases. Do not screen for herpes infection in asymptomatic individuals. Do not screen for COPD in asymptomatic adults. Do not screen for carotid artery stenosis in asymptomatic adults. Do not use vitamin A or beta-carotene supplements to prevent cardiovascular disease and cancer. Those are the group D recommendations. I know we ripped through those, but I will say that I see a fair amount of this stuff still going on, and I think we need to really pay attention to those group D recommendations and stop doing them. The next category and final category, of course, 
is insufficient evidence. We need more studies for this stuff. Get out there and do research and let's find out answers to this stuff. Uh, the first one is regarding cognitive impairment screening in older adults. I will say that I think it's really important that if you pick up on a cognitive problem in your adults, like if you're a hospitalist and you see them day after day and you can pretty clearly tell they've got dementia after you've helped their primary issue or if you know somebody in clinic, please please put it on their chart. It's so helpful for other providers rather than going through a whole visit and then at the end thinking, did that person have dementia? To just be able to see it on their chart and know that they need to write stuff down or communicate it with a family member or whatever. So just, just write that stuff down, but it's unclear whether or not you should screen all adults for it. Uh, the next indetermined or insufficient evidence category is regarding elder abuse screening in the absence of suspicion. The next is illicit drug use screening in adults. I will say that I ask all my adults about illicit drug use screening. It's a pretty fast screening tool, but it's uh, currently insufficient evidence. The next is atrial fibrillation screening using an EKG. There is insufficient evidence for using an ankle brachial index or blood pressure reading uh, to screen for vascular disease in asymptomatic adults. There's insufficient evidence for the use of high sensitivity, CRP, and imaging for heart vessel calcification for cardiovascular disease in asymptomatic adults. There is insufficient evidence for osteoporosis testing in asymptomatic men, for celiac disease in asymptomatic adults, for pelvic exams periodically in asymptomatic women, for sleep apnea screening in asymptomatic adults, for open angle glaucoma screening in asymptomatic adults, for hearing loss screening in asymptomatic adults. Now I will say that I see a lot of older people with hearing loss that I really think is intimately tied to their dementia. We know that if we people don't use their hearing aids, they're much more likely to get delirious. We know it's so much harder for them to participate in uh, conversations. I, I've heard about new research coming out regarding this and I look forward to seeing what comes in the future. Moving on, there's insufficient evidence regarding skin examinations for cancer screening in individuals who do not have concerning lesions. I thought this was fascinating. I know that so many people are going every year for their skin exam and there's just not great evidence for that yet and you'd think there would be because it's something that's so common. Next, there's insufficient evidence for oral cancer screening in asymptomatic adults, for bladder cancer screening in asymptomatic adults, for thyroid function tests in asymptomatic adults, for checking vitamin D levels in asymptomatic adults, for suicide risk screening in asymptomatic adults, and for taking a daily multivitamin to prevent cardiovascular disease and cancer. Wow. That was a lot of quick recommendations there at the end. In the adult population, there's a ton of really helpful Group D recommendations and quite a bit of room for improvement regarding our knowledge of insufficient evidence uh, screenings. I hope you enjoyed this now four-part series on preventative disease infection and cancer screening. I really appreciate you listening. I hope this helps you, your patients, and your medical practice. And thank you again. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full Scope Podcast. You can find a lecture summary, key points, and any references on our website, fullscope.org. 
Additionally, this is the official podcast of Wonder Medicine PLLC, a for-profit medical clinic located in Boise, Idaho. As Carly and I own the clinic and draw revenue from it, we thought we should uh, disclose it as a conflict of interest. Disclaimer alert! It's a trap! The Volscope podcast was designed and created for educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or provide clinical knowledge specific to the care of any actual patient or population of patients. If you are in need of medical advice or treatment, contact a physician. The views and opinions portrayed on Full Scope are Dr. Brandenburg's. They do not represent the views or opinions of Wander Medicine Clinic, any of the academic institutions mentioned on the Full Scope podcast or website, or any of the hospitals which Dr. Brandenburg has or currently works at.